0: Today is the first Sunday of Advent, the Sunday in which we
1: recall the hope we have in Christ.
2: The prophets of Israel all spoke of the coming of Christ, of how a savior would be born, a king in the line of David. They spoke of how he would rule the world wisely and bless
0: all nations. On Christmas day, the Christ of our hope was born. On Good Friday, the Christ of our hope died. On Easter day, Christ of our hope rose from the dead. He then ascended into heaven. Christ of our hope will come again, and so shall we ever be with God.
2: As the follower of Christ, we stay awake to his return. We light this candle to remember that as he came to us humbly in the manger at Bethlehem and gave light to the world, so he is coming again.
0: We light this candle of hope. Well... Friends, we have some new breath breathed fresh from the heart of God. uh, Babies getting dedicated today, so we're going to welcome our our babies, our brand new little babies. Um, I mean, they're not like they didn't just get born today because mothers shouldn't come to church on the same day. I mean, I guess they could, but... Anyway, I don't know if you've ever had a baby, but that's a lot of work. Can we give, it, give a hand to these moms and the support staff of the fathers? <laughs> so beautiful. We love baby dedication. And um, so maybe some of you were baptized as babies. Uh, that's what happened for me. Some of you were dedicated as babies. And yeah, it'd be great. And um, our pastors are all coming up too, huddling around. Any godparents, any, you know, like I know that there are people that help raise the babies around us. So if any of you want to come on up, you know you've been, you've been there to help. We know that it it really does take a church community to bring the message of faith, hope, and love, and um, and so I am so grateful for those that walk alongside us, grandparents that show up and hold babies that even aren't feeling good. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're just you're covered in the blood of Jesus, right? And um, I just think it's amazing to have an opportunity to look at babies you know we always say around here they're hot from the hand of God right before any wounding before any you know all the stuff that life holds and so we love to hold the face of God in a little child and you know babies I, I think starting Advent with babies is such a good idea we should do it every year you know, because it this is the candle of hope, the prophet's candle. And I'm praying that we have children that are prophets of hope to the world, that they carry in them the message of Christ all the days of their life, and that they're surrounded by the kind of community that makes it safe for them to know God, for who God really is, not some broken image of God, but... The God who loves unconditionally. I heard Sean preached on that yesterday at the men's meeting. The God who holds us. Like people who love children tenderly. You know, sometimes we need a little rock. right? Sometimes we need a little soothing of the nervous system with a pat on the back or a shh. And if we stay like little children, we'll recognize we always need to be held. All the days of our life. And God's arms are holding us right now, friends. The safest arms holding all of us. Uh, One of our favorite images to think about God's loving hands holding our world. In all of its glory and grime, we have the hands of God surrounding us. So, I don't know how you'd like to participate, but if you want to stand, if you want to reach your hands, if you want to just, you know, bring other children, your own children and others, into your remembrance as we pray, this is our liturgy for dedicating children. And I asked Hannah this week, I said, is it enough? Would you like to add to it? She goes, no, I really like it. And, um, and I, I feel as though when we say these words over these two new little babies, that we're going to be speaking the blessing of heaven over them for their lifetime. So together. And when this says all parents, I just want you to know, church, we're all responsible for the little ones in our midst. So join in. Almighty God, give me your spirit to love, nurture, encourage, and teach my child to know you and receive your love all the days of their lives. Give me a patient spirit, one that listens deeply to my child. Give me your compassionate spirit, one that is always ready to offer a soothing word and a healing touch. Give me your courageous spirit, one that is not afraid to speak out on behalf of children. Forgive me when I forget that they have no voice but mine in this world. Give me your joyous spirit, one that is free enough to join in the play of children. Forgive me when life's worries keep me from fully And then let's just surround. We are going to just get our grandparents and pastors to surround. We're going to be celebrating and dedicating our beauties here, Wilder, Charles, and Eliana Lillian. And so together, just go ahead and pray, families, in whatever way you can get in front of them. You can surround them like a huddle, however you want to do that. And now we call on the great cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews tells us about that encourage us to press on toward the mark of the high call. And we pray that angels and saints would be assigned to these children in ways that Psalm 91 talks about. You have made the Lord God your shelter, the Most High your protector. God will give angels' charge concerning you to bear you up in all your ways. And so we call on not just the cloud of witnesses that's right here that will encourage and uphold, but we're asking for the help of heaven every day of their lives. And we pray these names in reverence and awe of who you've made Wilder and Eliana to be for this time in history. And we bless them today in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, parent of us all. Amen. Yeah? Yeah?
2: Howard Thurman said... In the stillness of the quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, hope to despair. Glorious and merciful God, we thank you that you do not leave us in darkness, you do not reject us when we fail, but you lead us out from the darkness and into your marvelous light. You are the wonderful counselor, God of compassion and hope of the world. Let's hear again the story of this hopeful meal. When Jesus knew the time for his death had come and the darkness was gathering around him, he shared his final meal with his friends. Taking the bread, he gave thanks. Then he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this, whenever you eat it, to remember me. We thank you, Jesus, for the broken bread. After supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. Then he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant and forgiveness of sins. Do this, whenever you drink it, to remember me. We thank you, Jesus, for the now as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim that Jesus' life was not extinguished by death. We proclaim that Jesus' body was not held by the grave, and we proclaim the hope that we have found in Christ. And we will keep doing this until our hope is fulfilled. Amen. Let's come and receive the elements of communion together.
3: Um, good morning. We are excited to be celebrating Advent with you. You can take a seat. Um, I just wanted to um, say a few things about our giving cards and pray for our kids as they go up soon. Um, I'm just so grateful to be journeying with all of you. This weekend, we have had CR youth in the student stadium. Yesterday, we had financial wholeness and the men's breakfast where Sean taught a beautiful message on the prodigal son. And now we're here with the babies. I've been joking about breakfast and uh, budgets and babies. We've done it all. <laughs> and what, is, what a beautiful way to live as a church, to be able to hold all of those things and be on a journey together. And so this Advent season, um, we just wanted to remind you of a few ways that you can help or give. Whatever God is leading you to, we want you to experience the blessing of multiplication, right? Our gratitude leads us into generosity. Um, And when we give, God multiplies it into things we can't imagine. And so a few weeks ago, we handed out these cards about how can I help and how can I give? And we realized we didn't really tell you where to turn them in <laughs> a classic crossroads problem so um there are more back at the next steps kiosk um or if you still have yours hanging around you can put them in the offering baskets in the front um or there's a makeshift basket at the communion table at the back um if you want to leave it there one of the ways um that you can help is by help volunteering with our chili cook-off and that is on here that's next week so if you want to help um Go ahead and check that one, and Aaron Anderson will be in touch with you this week about ways to help. So there is a little bit of urgency on that one. Um, So we're just going to pray for our kids. Um, There's Christmas camp this week. I don't know if you feel like it's magical in here, but just wait till you get upstairs. Um, Parents K through 8 are all in the cafe. Preschool and nursery are in their respective classrooms. Um, So we're going to pray to bless the kids in our offering. God, we thank you. We thank you the ability to give of our time, the ability to give of our money, Um, God, we are so grateful that you multiply what we give and make it so much more. And so um, we pray for our kids as they head upstairs. Would you bless them? Would they have memories of hope that last them for years to come? God, we thank you for Pastor Stacy. We pray that you would bless her um, today as she leads um, and we just thank you for all she has done um, in this room, there, everywhere this weekend. Um, Would this space um, be held in your precious love? In Jesus' name we pray. All right, kids, you can go ahead and head upstairs. Parents, lead them on up.
4: If I'm on, yes, here I am, and Jeff is going to come up and assist me here today. But welcome to Crossroads. If today is your first time here, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, we wanted to let you know we have a next steps kiosk right over there by the Christmas tree. You can stop over there after service. We have a gift for you if you're a first time guest, and we'd love the chance just to say hello face to face, get you signed up for our newsletter if you're interested. Um, so stop on over there. Also want to tell you, you see the light, the lit up table there in the back. That's our fair trade table that um, Karen um, Carpenter has been having for here for many years. And this, this is a, an opportunity for you to buy some Christmas presents that helps survivors of human trafficking. So today is the last Sunday that she will be set up with her, with her table. Um, but we have some other great things that are happening here at Crossroads, and Jeff's going to tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff Anderson. Uh, my wife, Erin, and I have been working on uh, the silent auction and getting things together for the chili cook off. <laughs> Most of it's my wife, so she has done an amazing job. So, listen, where else can you go Christmas shopping and take a tax deduction? Nowhere else but Crossroads right now. So so at, think about that. So anything you put a bid on and you win is a donation to the church. So that also comes off your taxes this year. So something to keep in mind. Being the numbers guy I am, I figured that was a good way to lead off. We have this beautiful kimono that's going to be part of the auction that was donated by, by Karen. I'm
4: definitely going to be bidding on
1: this. Okay. Well, there we go. There we go. So... We had thought about giving out numbers, but we wanted to make this as competitive as possible, so everyone's name will be on the bid list. So if you find a name out there that you think, well, it might be fun to outbid them, it yeah. be a great time yeah. to go there and outbid them. Yeah. So we're going to make it a little more fun that way. Yeah. So one of the things we are missing, though, is we could use a few more chilies. So if you think you've got an amazing chili recipe and would like to uh, enter the, the cook-off, we would definitely appreciate it. We could use three or four more uh, pots of chili. And uh, you might, if you're bringing chili, you might want to pad your chances of winning by maybe having some extra toppings that come with it. I'm going
4: to volunteer Shane
1: to make a... All right, there we go. <laughs> All, right. All right, there we go. Or a side that goes with it to make it a little more, give yourself that little advantage. Anything goes? There's trophies for first through third, and uh, some surprise money for first place as well. Yes.
4: So you can start bidding today, so I'm sure after service, the guys will light up that side of the room for us so that we can see, but please start bidding today, find out what's on over there. If you're not going to be here next week, you could still bid this week. So, um, And also, last but not least, we have our... Uh, you'll notice in the in the foyer that we're doing our holiday gift drive again for um, sexual assault services gifts. What's, it's safe place. I'm sorry, safe place. So if you have want to bring a um, unwrapped gift, you can put it in the in the foyer. We also are taking collection for uh, our food pantry, and that is non food items. We're asking people to bring non food items, and there's baskets in the hallway. Anything you have questions about, come see me at Next Steps after service, and uh, we can get those answered for you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Not
0: to mention, Kathleen could probably use help at Next Steps because she, she tells everybody you can come and talk to me, and she, um, she, it, she does have the Holy Spirit, and she is one person. Go ahead, sing it. We are... We are. Don't you love hanging out with people who can finish your sentences?
1: Okay, can you plug me I in? I can, that's why I'm here.
0: Do you have better eyes? Oh, I think I'll need glasses too. So, as you can tell, Scott's not here. And um, it almost feels like Dave's not here. But no, Scott's not here. <laughs> and whenever Scott's not here, half of Claire isn't here either. Because, you know, Anyway, you get married and you, you're together for 42 years. You never, you never know what you don't know till you don't know. Are y'all praying for me right now? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, it's Christmas at Crossroads, everybody. This is really. Um, we started to think about the names of the candles, and when we thought about hope and the fact that it's the prophet candle, we started to talk about how desperately we need prophets of hope right now. People who are speaking hope over us, right? Because sometimes you might be a little low in the hope tank, and your need is to be with someone who can identify hope for you. On the way in today, um, thinking about talking about hope in a cynical world, I was driving in downtown Marshall, and I'm going to give you a little practice at the very end, but I was praying I spy with my little eye with myself. And, um, and if you guys are going to be quiet all day, I'm not going to get through this. So that was funny. I played by myself, my, I spy with my little eye. But one of the things I love is that there is a nativity at the center of our town. And I love that even people who don't have our own faith tradition are supportive of that. And I want to say, I, you know, I had a really good friend who removed a nativity scene in the Detroit area in the early 80s with the ACLU. And you know, I was I was, um, I, I, was um, I was sad that anyone would want to remove the nativity. Because it is a picture of hope in all the vulnerable ways that God intended. That God did not come as a as a tyrant or a ruler or a big boss, God came in a little child that taught us about unconditional love, taught us about the beauty of, of responsibility, that there might be something really precious in your life you're called to take care of to bring hope. Might not be a baby, right? So I want to let the beauty of what we've been looking at today. This, this is Scott. That's his mustachio in his, uh, when he was 20 years old. And he is feeding Sarah uh, glucose water, which we did that with babies back then. I know you guys don't give babies water anymore, and you don't give them sugar. But we sugared you up, just so you know. Because if you were hungry in between, we gave you a bottle of sugar water. And Scott was so amazed at Sarah. And I, I, he was really amazed at me because I pushed a 9-pound, nine 9-ounce nine human out of my body. Okay, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? And, um, and so, you know, when you think about that, you know, started out at 105 pounds. I ended at 164. You do the math. That was a pretty quick gain. and um, And he was... He was amazed at me. He has been amazed at me ever since. Anyway, you never, anyway, so forget it. Okay. And I think about the birth of this precious child, the innocence, the purity, the fresh start that little babies give us the idea around, right? The optimism of the future. Their, Their little joyful presence, the unconditional love. They haven't done anything for you yet. And people fall in love with babies that are connected to you. My uh, my brother in law Sean walked in after I had Sarah, and my eyes were um, my eyes were swollen shut from pushing out a nine pound nine ounce human out of my body. And Sarah's eyes were swollen shut because it was I guess hard work for her too. And Sean says, "Oh look, she has your eyes." Yeah. That's the kind of thing that 18-year-old brother-in-laws say to you. But see, it was really good because he practiced on me so he could be awesome for Kathleen. I bet he did not say anything like that. I, I do think that babies in our midst offer us a way to see hope. Like, it's not over yet. God still has ideas about what the world can be like because new humans are coming. Right, come on say the humans are coming. The humans are coming. Yes they are. Now I I really want to say that I do love that advent is all about the birth of the Christ child. Um and giving us the idea that uh that evil despots are not going to rule forever uh, just so that we know that. And um and if you follow the lectionary, it's like one of the hardest passages in the Bible you're about to read from Mark chapter 13. And I know that I could get Samuel to come up and do some exegesis on it, but you're just going to have to put up with my idea today. And, um, and I love the idea that we have to go into dark and difficult passages when we're thinking about new life and new hope. Because this is not pie-in-the-sky kind of hope, everybody. This is hope in a troubled world. This is hope in a time in history where we need to have our hope in the name of the Lord, where our help comes from, our strength, our song. Because if we're looking for help outside of that, every human is going to fail you. In fact, my one friend says, when I make a friend with somebody, I just say, I'm going to fail you right now so we get it over with. And then that way you're not surprised later. Right? Because human beings are flawed, And we are becoming like Christ. And so this passage in Mark chapter 13 is troubling. I just want you to brace yourselves. I want you to breathe all the way through it. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit awaken something fresh inside you. That maybe the way you've read it before is not the way the scripture wants to read your interior landscape today. Because the way I approach our sacred text, even though, you know, I took Greek and Hebrew and I went to Bible college and I love all of those things, and I have put aside many of my earlier ways to say, God, I don't want to assume I have you in my back pocket to understand what this is saying. So I'd like you to speak fresh to me. So let's take a breath and hear this word this good and troubling word from the Gospel of Mark on this first week of Advent. As Isaiah said, in the days after that great suffering, the sun will refuse to shine and the moon will hold back its light and the stars in the heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then you will see, as Daniel predicted, the Son of Man coming in the clouds, clothed in power and majesty, and he will send out his heavenly messengers to gather together to himself those he has chosen from the four corners of the world, from every direction and every land. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. When its branches new and tender and begins to put forth leaves, you know that summer must be near. In the same way, when you see and hear the things I've described to you taking place, you'll know the time is drawing near. It's true. This generation will not pass away before all these things have happened. Heaven and earth may pass away, but these words of mine will never pass away. So take heed. No one knows the day or the hour when the end is coming. The messengers in heaven don't know, nor does the Son. Only the Father knows. So be alert. Watch for it and pray. For you never know when that time might approach. This situation is like a man who went on a journey. When he departed, he left his servants in charge of the house Each of them had their own job to do. And the man left the porter to stand at the door watching. So stay awake. Because no one knows when the master of the house is coming back. And it could be in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Stay awake. Be alert. So that when he suddenly returns, the master won't find you sleeping. The teaching I am giving the four of you now is for everyone who will follow me. Stay awake and keep your eyes open. This is the word of the Lord. So what did you see? What did you hear? What was happening even in your nervous system while we read that passage? Did you notice a little of a, a little adrenaline rush? Did you notice your own curiosity around things that we can't explain like this will happen before this generation passes? That there are ways that Jesus has a way of getting us to say, uh, so then what does it mean? If that doesn't mean what I think it means, what does it mean? So if you're like me, I have my favorite authors that I love to read, and I'm just giving you a few of them here, and then a couple that I don't like that I added just for fun. But I thought about how would Dallas Willard talk about this scripture? I bet he would talk about the kingdom reign of God, Right? Uh, any of our anybody fans of Dallas Willard out there that would say, "Yep, he'd probably talk about the kingdom of God." Yes, and then C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis would probably work with metaphors and allegories, might throw a lion in there, and give us a way to see. Brenda Salter McNeil, she might use her interpretation to focus on reconciliation and justice. I think Dr. King might take a look at justice and the struggle against oppression and hope for a better future. I wonder if Richard Rohr would just say, be present to the presence, and then you'll experience God now. Right? Beth Moore, you'd have to read all the way up to date because she says herself she's evolved in her faith. So don't read what she said 20 years ago. Read what she's understanding now as a more grown human. Right? I mean, I, I could go on because Scott McKnight, I've learned personally under him, Dr. Mulholland is my, uh, my beloved professor, and he would say something like, um, this is about spiritual formation and discernment. So let's take a look at your interior life and see why you had trouble with this passage. Yeah, like that. Rachel Held Evans, she might say the whole story of Advent is a story of how God can't be kept out. God is present, God is with us, God shows up, not in a parade, but with the whisper of a baby. Not among the powerful, but among the marginalized, not to the demanding, but to the humble. And maybe if Archbishop Desmond Tutu were here, he'd say, hope is being able to see that there is light, despite all the darkness, and isn't that beautiful? It's it is a um, it is a it is a sociological experiment to wonder what the eyes of one person would see as they're looking at the scripture. What I want to say is that hope begins in the dark, and I do believe that there is hope here, right now, no matter what is happening around our world, no matter what is happening in my personal life. And I'm not a person who hasn't experienced severe darkness in my life. And God has been found there too. I want to have hope in a cynical world with what some theologians call Mark 13, the little apocalypse. And yet the word apocalypse doesn't mean bad stuff. The word apocalypse means revelation. It means seeing what do you want to see? Look for that. Anytime somebody winks in the right direction, look for that. A way to say, are you awake? Are you aware that God is here now? Yes, there was a first coming. There's a, what is called the second coming, but it really is the third coming. Because the second coming was in the Holy Spirit, filling the lives of people that you're looking at right now, that are bringing the hope. That are setting up, you know, tables for you to purchase items instead of buying things um, maybe somewhere that doesn't help someone in need. I, I think that's hopeful to me. When I think about the people that decorate this church or go to the food pantry or teach our children or who took much labor to set up this silent auction for us, I have hope. I have hope because I know the glimmer of hope in you tells us God's not done yet. And so I want to know the signs of the times when the fig tree blossoms. I, I, I think it's really fun that Jesus puts something like that in the middle of stuff that you'll never be able to exegete if you're an exegeter. You'll never be able to do it. He puts it right in the middle because some people want to say, well, that's Israel. When Israel buds, this is what's going to happen. Well, I just want to say, I think he's talking about a fig tree for my little mind. Because when I see a fig tree blossom, I get. I, I, when I saw olive trees blossoming and fig trees blossoming in Italy... I was having an otherworldly experience, and I was saying I want to be awake to the miracles of God here and now and not try to figure out the future with a map to tell you all when Jesus is returning. Because honestly, um, as Scott said yesterday, he, he told me what to do when he dies. He has a book, go to that page, call that person, right? Because we're not promised tomorrow, my friends, and so I might be experiencing the God in the clouds by the end of today. And I want to be aware, I want to be a present, I wanna be watching the signs like my dad did as he was leaving. It was so great. Last week he was going like this. And I was like, What are you doing? Daddy goes, Look, it's Pa. It's Pa in the window. He was waving to his dad. He was looking at the signs of his coming, where he was headed. If you've ever been around people who die well, start practicing now because it's lovely, isn't it, Don? People who die well, people who are present to the present moment that are actually looking for God in all the wrong faces and finding God and telling people that they see God here. Like, I think we could bring hope to the world if we stop being so cynical and naming on Facebook who all the people who are just beyond idiots Have you seen that? No joke. I got an email from a lady this week, not in the church, so don't try to figure it out. Got a a note from a lady in the church this week that the first note she sent me, she was telling me how she's working for peace in the world. And by the third email, she, she didn't use cuss words to me, but they were, you know, you know how when someone says, bless your heart, you know exactly what they mean? Okay. So anyway, you can say you don't swear, but you have those little words you use to make it sound like you're not swearing. And Okay, so there it is. And I thought, and Scott is so funny. He's like, look at that. Peace be with you. Serenity now. So how do we have hope in a cynical world when even people who say they're working for peace have an inner violence that they haven't yet surrendered to God? And while we're naming these are the people that are violent and those are the people that are innocent, we have not reckoned with our own inner violence. So the invitation for hope is to say, Oh, God of hope, I want to approach this passage with contemplative curiosity and allow the passage to foster in me presence and readiness and longing and hope And that I want to bring and invoke the name of God in ways that are fitting. Yeah? Oh, come on, church. We can do this. We can do this. Hope in a cynical world means that at the time that this was written, you know, somewhere what we know um, about the way Mark, because Mark is the earliest gospel, right? And so what we realize is that what they've been experiencing for about 400 years, 300 B.C. up to 100 A.D., they were in particularly turbulent, despot times, tyrannical leadership, doing evil one to another. It's not brand new in 2023, everybody. And so when Jesus is talking about this, Reformed theologians might say that Jesus was talking about 70 A.D., that what might happen there. Others are saying, no, he's talking about what's about to happen because while he's asking them to stay awake, in the next chapter of Mark, he's saying, can you stay awake with me before I go to the cross? So read that. Read chapter 14 after and think about the way that this is being written. Jesus is asking us to stay awake, to be aware, to be here. You know what I love about the word beware? Some of the versions say, beware when the, right? Right? I love that word beware because, because I don't always wear my glasses. I misread it the first time, and I thought it said be aware. But then when I started to look at all the other words in this passage about being aware, it's like, oh, I think that is what beware means. It means be aware. Be present. Be here now to what hope is calling you to. To be a prophet of hope in a time when people just are mean to each other at a time where somebody is, they just need you to come bring some good word to them on this day. So I love it. Howard Thurman, you read it, and Nicole read it for us. In the stillness of the quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, hope to despair. And I think Howard Thurman wrote a great book, and I can't remember what it is right now. It's like something, something. Contemplation, get quiet. Somebody Google it for me. It's great. It's just a little devotional, and I love it. And he taught people to get quiet. Because if you can get quiet and maybe light a candle in the morning and watch the God of light invade the darkness and actually utilize the lighting of a candle as a way to remember, if I can be here, and present to the reality that Christ is the light of my life, then everything I'm going to look into today, I will find Christ who is the light right here, right now. We all need prophets of hope, friends like Howard Thurman. Scott is my regular prophet of hope. Bonnie has been a prophet of hope to me. So many people. Through bad diagnoses, through difficult times, through the death of family members, prophets of hope showed up at my door and spoke words of life. Hope is the theme. The prophet's candle on this first Sunday for Advent, it simply means coming or presence or arrival. Are we all here now to experience the arrival in this breath? We can do that. So here's my oldest grandson with Ford. Ford's five now. But, you know, only babies can get teenagers to do weird things. Like if I would have said, Dante, let's take a picture and go like this. He'd go, no, Grandma. But a little one can get a teenager even to be present to the moment. A little one. And I, I love this because... The children in our lives right now um, invite us to do an Advent practice called "I Spy with My Little Eye." That actually, when we're looking at being awake and aware, we got to learn to spy with our little eye—every glimmer of hope, every light, every place. As a children, as a child uh, practicing. I spy with my little eye, they're actually increasing their attuning and observing skills. Did you know that? This is a great thing to practice with kids, and many of us have lost it. We just think we're too old to play I spy with my little eye. And yet, it is a way for us to slow down and focus our attention. And remember that energy follows your focus. And if we're focused on hope, our energy is going to move us toward hope. God intended us to be like this, so brilliant, the mastermind of all human creation, telling us to become like little children, to be awake, to be aware, to be present, to be here, to be present to the presence of another, and be present to hope and bring them hope. I spy with my little eye. So, this is your practice this week. Can you imagine? I'm not sending you home with uh, five hour fathers and three whoopsie doozies. We're going to go home and say, How can I practice I spy with my little eye all this week, the week of hope? How can I practice looking for hope alone? I spy with my little eye. What do I see? And even you can practice it right here. What one thing in this room is bringing you hope today? When you engage with that icon or that person or that candle or that hug, I spy with my little eye. One um, therapist made a great suggestion, like, do this and pretend you're an animal. Get together with maybe do it with a kid. I don't know. I, although I, I'm going to ask Scott if he wants to do this with me when I go home. And say, okay, I'm going to be a lion playing I spy with my little eye, and you be uh, an emperor penguin. And then let's look around the room and notice how we would notice things when we get out of our repetitious, rote ways of experiencing our lives, get up, make coffee, put your clothes on, drive to the wherever. Like what could we what could we see if we actually practice I spy with my little eye with a kid? Because you could get a kid to do this with you, easy cheesy. Like you be a cat, I'll be a dog, and let's play I spy with my little eye. You might need a prophet of hope to join you, and I, I think you should do it both ways because This scripture, I think um, friends should not let friends read scripture alone because we can end up in a crash. But if we're actually practicing through the lens of another person the way they would see the passage and listening and wondering and then experiencing and then saying, I spy with my little eye. Thanks, Anne Lamott. You read the scripture, and you were probably thinking about our imperfections and telling all of us to get off our own back. I spy with my little eye, become a prophet of hope. So the one thing we teach our, our, uh, our students in our spiritual direction school is that the only difference between pray and play is one letter, and it's the same thing. I spy with my little eye could be your prayer this week to see God. Play with God. Have fun with God. Don't be such a curmudgeon. Right? Let, let, let go of what is unbelievably disturbing with the eye of one who only sees it one way. Get a multi-dimensional way of seeing how God wants to be with you now. Let's stand together. And while we're standing, just take a breath. You might want to do this with me. You might think I'm a big weirdo, but you can choose. Feel your feet on the ground. Don't just think about them. Your feet have the ability to sense the earth underneath them, to feel the earth. You don't just have to think about your feet. Just notice right now what it feels like to be standing here. Notice the strength of your body and the weakness of your body. And just take a breath. And maybe you can take yourself on a trip, if you ever saw Inside Out, just take yourself on a trip through your, you know, your, your inner world and allow yourself to see with the eye of hope Something about you that's wonderful. Something about you that's vulnerable. Something about you that is holy. Something about you that needs to ask for God's forgiveness. To restore relationships. To let go of a grudge, a judgment. Notice what's on the inside of you that feels like you've brought yourself fully into the light there or as much light as you've been able to. And notice the part of you that's in the darkness. And notice that even the dark is light to God and God is with you here. Spy with your little eye Hope for your life For your longings For the places where you feel satisfied For the things in the world that are ever so broken And the new babies That came as prophets of hope